Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, here's your host, Jason Day. Welcome, friends, to an awesome episode for you this week that we have here on the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Day, and I am joined by Joshua Gagnon, founder and lead pastor of Next Level Church. Josh has led Next Level Church to reach thousands in a very challenging ministry context. He provides incredible wisdom for pastors and ministry leaders no matter where you happen to be serving. Josh has a new book entitled It's Not Over, Leaving Behind Disappointment and Learning to Dream Again. It's releasing in February of 2020. Now, in this episode, Josh and I talk about developing a multiplication culture in your church, no matter the size. Josh shares very practical insights into how they are launching new locations and why you do not have to be a megachurch to multiply. Be sure to listen to Josh's final words as he encourages pastors facing challenges as they're seeking to live out the dreams that God has given them. It's so powerful. And so let's go ahead and dive into my conversation with Josh Gagnon. Josh, welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. So good to have you with us. It's awesome to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Now, Josh, you have planted a church that has been making a tremendous kingdom impact, Next Level Church. In fact, your church has been named one of the fastest growing churches in America for you know several years in a row by Outreach Magazine. And um, God's just been doing some amazing things through your ministry. Now, what might surprise some of our listeners is that Next Level Church is in New England, right? And New England is known to be an incredibly difficult place to do ministry, let alone to plant a church. Um, The success rate of churches, you know, an effectiveness of church plants in New England is, is, you know, very, very, very low. Can you start us off by talking to us a little bit about how God birthed this dream to plant a church in your heart, and then why in New England? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I've been asked that a few times. We, um, Jennifer and myself, my wife, we were we were living in New England. That's where we were planted and and just doing life. I owned a a drywall company and I was just working daily, attending church, running a soundboard at a church. And and um, my friends never wanted to go to church. They 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 would say, "No, nah, I don't want to go there. I feel awkward. I feel judged. It doesn't it doesn't it doesn't fit for me." And I heard this over and over and over and over again. And and someone came to me one time, an older gentleman, and he said, hey, would you think about taking over this church that we're at? And, and, and they, they were a smaller congregation. They were in the northern part of, of New Hampshire. And and I was like, I'll think about it. He said, well, come up and preach one time. And I went up there. It was, it was really more of a small group. And I taught. And the next thing you know, I left there. And I didn't feel like that was what God would have for us. And the next thing you know, they said, would you ever think about planting a church more in the southern area of New Hampshire, highly more highly populated? And I, I in that moment, Jason, I was like, I had never even heard of a church being planted before. Like it was never, it was never in the DNA of conversations in New England. Like there aren't schools in high schools. You're not even allowed to meet in schools in New England. They won't let you. And it was nothing I was ever around. I never went to a church larger than 200 people growing up and, you know, the least church region of America. And so planting a church was nothing that had ever been on my radar. And so when he said that, something was sparked in my heart where I thought, well, wait a minute. 
we could do church in a way that I know would work at, at reaching my friends. It wasn't a wonder if, if God could change lives. The wonder was, how do we get people in the door so that God can can do the work? How can we show them that this message is relevant, loving, and life-giving? And so, yeah, we, we started Next Level Church. We had uh, 12 people, including Jennifer and myself, just friends. Uh, we had $270 that we started with, and and we started pretty much on accident. Like, I can remember talking to Jennifer. Matter of fact, I was talking to her this morning about about this. Uh, I remember talking to her and, and saying, can you imagine someday if we had 100 people that attended? Mm-hmm. And that number was so crazy. I was like, I, I was like, what would they look like? Where would they come from? And and by God's grace, we've been able to, to see more than that attend and, and many more than that than that give their life to Jesus. And and so yeah, we started Next Level Church. It was it was on accident, kind of. Like it was just authentic. I had never been to a church conference before. I had never read a church planting book before. I had never been mentored before. And 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 and, and we just started just 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 wanting to reach those that we did life with and and God blessed it and and I'm so thankful that he he, did, he uses the unwise things. That's awesome, brother. It's such a cool story. Can can you talk to us a little bit about? Um, I know in your new book, it's not over. You talk about these kind of god-sized dreams, and you write that whenever there are these god-sized dreams, that often we face obstacles. Right? If God's in it, yeah. you know, it's usually not just going to be smooth sailing. So, can you talk to us a little bit about what are some of the obstacles that you faced? when you were planting next level. Yeah, I mean, we faced many obstacles then and we face obstacles now. You know, I think a lot of times what happens in the church world is we look at everybody else's highlight reel and then we look at our reality and we think, man, that doesn't align. Like mm. like there's something that's not correct because my reality represents a lot of resistance. My reality represents a lot of disappointment and yet it seems like everybody else's reality, at least on Instagram, is is just like on point. You know what I mean? Right. They're just doing them. And, and so I would say early on, you know, we had we had all sorts of struggles as far as we couldn't find anybody that we could pay because we could only pay about $10 a week full time, you know? And so we couldn't afford anybody on staff. Uh, early on, we couldn't afford to do any type of marketing. We met in a movie theater and in high school and there there were there were there were so many things even in me early on you know that that God had to grow and so one of the larger obstacles I had to face was just learning how I needed to mature and learning what God needed to do through me you know ministry leaders and all leaders we we over exaggerate what God will do in the in the short run and we underestimate what God can do in the long run and and I was guilty of that I was so guilty of thinking you know God's going to do great things once we got started and I can't believe we haven't seen such and such yet not realizing that that this is a this is a marathon and if we're faithful for a, a long time that then God will be that God will be faithful to, to showing us our dreams and so you know we face tons of resistance financially uh, we faced tons of resistance. You know, one one week we find we were meeting in a high school and they called us on a Wednesday and told us we could not meet there for the next six weeks. And so we had to pack everything up, move, shift everybody to a local movie theater, sign a lease at that movie theater with no notice. And so it was just it was just struggle after struggle after struggle after struggle. And and um, I think that's just part of the story. I mean, outside of resistance, it's impossible to soar. You know, the reality is, is, is a plane needs resistance in order to take off. And, and God-sized dreams are going to come with the re- inside of the recipe is going to be resistance. It's just, it's part of the journey. It's part of the reality. Opposition um, is, is something that comes along with chasing after great things. You know, I often say this, I often say, you know, don't get discouraged when you're facing opposition. Don't get discouraged when you're discouraged. Hmm. Get, get concerned 
when there's nothing in your life you're chasing that causes you to feel discouragement. Like we should be inspired when we're still part of a ministry and we feel disappointed and we feel our heart ache because that's a little way of knowing that we're exactly where God wants us. Because I don't know about you, but I've never had heartache over something I didn't care about. Right. I never had heartache over a ministry I didn't care about or a calling or an assignment I didn't care about. My heart aches over the things I care about. And so part of it is the reward. Discouragement is the reward of knowing that your heart is aching after something you still care deeply about. Uh, that's so good. That is so good. I love that, brother. Talk to us a little bit about um, the logistics of Next Level Church. Like, when did you start planting it? And, you know, when did you launch? Yeah, and then, yeah. like, what were those, you know, how many years did it feel like, oh, man, this is, uh, you know, and I know you still have challenges now, so I don't want to dismiss <laughs> that. But, but you know, in the early years when you're, like, wondering, hey, is this actually going to to happen? You know, um, yeah. talk to us a little bit about that. And then was there a point where you sensed a bit of a, um, you know, a turning point in the ministry? Yeah, we started in 2008, and um, as of now, we have um, nine locations. Um, we're getting ready to launch a couple more. We have uh, locations in New England, and we have locations in Florida, and uh, outside of Tampa, Florida. And I, I would say the first the first five years or so, we were just kind of making it up as we went, putting the plane together as we went. And you know, we could only afford um, four full time staff for the first, I believe, six years. And so we were working. Hours I don't even want to I don't even want to say because I'm not proud of them because they probably did more damage to some relationships than they needed to. Mm. Um, just you know, just immature working working hours. We shouldn't be working trying to chase down a lifetime dream in a, in one month worth of time, right? Then, you know, God gives us a dream in our heart, right? And and it's a lifetime calling a lifetime dream and we think we should accomplish it in a month so we <laughs> we, we work the hours right. that we think it would take to get there and so i would say five six years in we we couldn't afford a staff we're working a lot of hours and and we opened up a facility uh, our first facility we ever owned and in that in that season we saw amazing growth and, and 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 resources come in and and we were able to launch more locations out of that that one facility and so i would say that that was a large breaking point for us and that's why currently when we launch locations we try to launch them in permanent facilities because Especially in New England, people don't think you're a real church if you're meeting in a portable location, and so uh, not many people are doing it. So we're in a position now where we fight to to launch in permanent facilities, and the first one we ever got was definitely a launching point and a blessing. Interesting, very interesting. So um, you have uh, multiple campuses. Are all the campuses um, connected to you know Next Level Church? Um, are they all like a, a type of campus of the church itself, or some of them? you know, would be considered more of a plant. How, how are you guys yeah. processing through that? Yeah, all of our locations are next level church locations. So um, we use video teaching. So we're, wherever I'm not in person, wherever our, our communicator that weekend isn't in person, it's it's uh, brought in via video. We do have a location pastors that that teach about six times a year. But yeah, it's one church, um, same same website, same teaching, same team, same creative team. Everything's one church. And and for us right now, that's the model that we feel is working. But you know, we've never sold out to a model. The reality is, is, is models change and, and, and models will come and go, but the gospel remains the same. And so, you know, people ask, do you think you'll be video forever? Do you think video teaching forever? And I've never been, uh, those aren't hills I'm willing to die on. The right. reality is, is right now that seems to be what is working for us. The day that, that we start to realize, 
you know, in-person communication is more effective at our locations, we would go that direction. So there's no model we've sold out to, but yeah, we are multi-site and, and that's working right now. And, and, um, we'll continue to, to trust God to give us wisdom as we move into the future. Yeah, it's excellent. Well said, brother. Tell me, were, was it a plan from kind of the start that you would do multiple campuses or how did that kind of come together for you? Yeah. Yeah. I love that question because once again, we knew nothing when we started, but the (laughs) first week, the first week when I got up, I actually said, we're going to have locations all over. Now you have to understand, I had never seen a multi-site church before. I had never read incredible magazines uh, in the church world before. I had never heard or seen any of that before. And I stood up and said, we're going to have locations all over because in my just DNA, the way that God has created me, that was just something that fired my soul up, something I felt called to do. And so, yeah, from the very, very first weekend we ever had church, before I ever knew there was a such thing as video venues or multi-sites, we said we're going to have many locations. And I think that's why God has blessed it. You know, I, I don't know this for sure, but I, I think we were the first multi-site church uh, in New England, or, or definitely the first multi-site church using video. And it, it wasn't something we were chasing after that others were doing. I think that's the danger, a danger in the church world, mm-hmm. if, if I'm just being candid. I, I think we go to a conference and we see this working at this church, and then we bring it back to our community and we try to do it and it doesn't work and we wonder why. It's because we are all pastoring a different Sunday school, right, in a different in different area of the country. And we have to make sure it's relevant for where it is we live. And so um, one of the things that we've really worked hard at doing in New England is who are we, what do we do, and what will work here? And we don't do a lot of things that may work other places, or we do some things that may not uh, work other places simply because we know who it is we've been ta- called to reach contextually. And um, and so we really focus on that. And so, yeah, from day one, that's been our vision. I think one of the dangers of the, of the multi-site movement, um, it's a blessing and a danger, is it's almost like church leaders feel insecure if they're not multi-site nowadays. And it's like, that's not a bad thing. Like God hasn't given that vision and, and, and that call to every single leader. And so right. You know, one of the questions everybody gets is like, how many locations or how many campuses? And it's like, if you say one, you almost feel like you're failing, but that's so not true. And it's a lie from the enemy. The reality is, is if we stay in the lane that God has called us in, we're going to be more successful than running in everybody else's lane. And and, and, and it's dangerous to launch multiple locations simply because you want to get on board to what others are doing when God hasn't called you to that. And so I would just always encourage church leaders, stay in your lane, be faithful to what God has called you to, and you're going to reach higher heights and soar to greater heights being who God has called you to be rather than chasing after what God's doing in everyone else's life. Yeah, that's, that's a good word, Josh. You you mentioned, you were talking about um, understanding your context, right, and, and how important that is. And so we need to be careful we don't just grab something from some other place and try to drop it into our neighborhood and expect it to work. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about how you and your team, uh, one, kind of work at understanding the context, like whenever you're looking at um, opening up a new campus? Are there specific things that you guys are doing in that area before you open it? Yeah, we, we, you know, for Tampa, that's a lot different than our New England location. And so we sent a, one of our executive team members here to, to live in this area, to be part of this community. And, you know, we realize in Tampa, their high points of attendance are different than in New England. And so we've had to contextualize and, and have conversations. And, you know, we'll make sure that when we shoot videos as a creative team and it's winter in New England, we're not showing snow in all of our videos so that our Florida location is like, what in the world are they? <laughs> where, where, where are they at the North Pole? And so it's 
it's just really being intentional about every move, you know, making sure that when I'm communicating, I'm not talking about the Patriots all the time, even though they're the greatest team ever. <laughs> but, but I make sure that that there's other other fans in our congregation as well that 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 live in other other parts of the country. And you know, I can remember early on, I went to my first church conference, and this is a little bit embarrassing, but I'm just going to keep it 100. I went to my first church conference in the South, and everybody was wearing like pointy shoes and like shirts with wings on them from Buckle. <laughs> and, and, and everybody in the whole place is like a buckle conference, you know, the store buckle. And we don't have buckle in New England. We didn't have any buckles in New England at the time. Yet I went out and I was like, all right, that's what the cool pastors are doing. So I went out in in the South before I got home and I bought a couple new pairs of shoes and I bought some wing shirts and I went home and I got on stage. And I'll never forget, people were coming up to me like, what are you doing? It's like, what, what are you? T- I felt like, I felt like such a weirdo. Cause I'm sitting up there and they're looking at me like, what are these wing shirts? And, and for me, man, that was just the first time I realized like, Josh, what are you doing? Did you really think buckle just because other pastors are wearing buckle or now other pastors are dressing in, in hipster outfits or whatever it might be, you know, just because Craig Rochelle has biceps that are 45 inches big, right. you know, like at some point, are we really shrinking the gospel to what other pastors look like and act like, or are we staying true to where it is God placed us? And I just, I just know that what works in LA is not going to work in Raccoon County. Right. And, and it, it's up to each leader to know what is it that translates well where it is you live? And leaders that contextualize the gospel, like Paul said, I became all things to all people, right? Leaders that can contextualize the gospel to where they are without forfeiting being relevant because there's another movement up the road doing bigger things, but stay true to what God has called them to do. I, I really believe over the long run that authenticity is going to be what leads more people to the kingdom. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Josh, as uh, there might be some listening in today who they've been praying about, you know, their 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 church, and maybe they are feeling led to multiply, right? To to maybe start another campus, that sort of a thing. What are some some thoughts and lessons maybe that you guys um, have learned when it comes to um, you know going multi-site that might be helpful for those listening? Yeah, the first. The first three or four are the hardest. After that, you should have systems and structures in place where you can launch locations easier. And so now that we have um, several locations, um, it's a lot easier for us to open locations. Now it's just a matter of, 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 of personnel and finances, right? Finances, facilities, and faculty. That's the three-wheel you know, three tricycle when it comes to multi-site for us. And if we have those three in place, man, we can launch locations because systems and structures and what it is and who we are and culture and DNA is already there. And so I think the first and most important thing outside of God directing it, I think the most important thing is making sure that you have culture speakers in place. Um, you know, we talk a lot in the church about vision, right? Vision, 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 have a vision, have a vision statement, have a vision, you name it. And, and now, of course, I think vision is great. Having a vision is great. But what's more important, in my opinion, is having a culture that elevates the vision. Mm. You, you can't have tons of vision and no culture because culture is the foundation in which vision is going to be successful off of. And so I would say if you're going to go multi-site, then, then start now at your first location, literally your first location, one location. That's what we did. 
Uh, I, I stepped away from being the campus pastor. We call them locations. It just makes more sense where we live. We contextualize it because if you say campus in New England, everybody thinks college. <laughs> and so I, I contextualized, we contextualized it, called it location pastors. And what happened was, is I put a location pastor in place to run that location. And I stepped away from the everyday pastoring of things. And we created a multi-site venue or multi-site location when we had one location so that we could create the culture to launch many locations out of. And so I would say culture is very important. And then being secure, what are you going to call it? Is it going to be video venue? Is it going to be live teaching? Is it going to be a completely different spinoff? What's it going to be? And don't shrink back. Don't become insecure. Stay faithful. Um, so culture, I would say, once again, method, vision, um, and then just leadership. You have to you have to be able to have leaders in place that are going to echo um, the same tune across all locations. That's very vital, especially at nine locations, ten locations. Everybody has to be speaking the same language. I, I want to dig in a little bit on the um, how how you create that culture piece initially with just your single location. Um, you, you mentioned that you um, stepped back as as kind of the you know shepherding pastor and and you put someone else in as that location pastor. And then you said that you kind of multi-sided just in that one location. What did that What did that look like? Yeah, I think step me stepping back was the biggest thing. Right. And and I and I talked to you know our listeners are in the church world, so I'm sure they know Craig Rochelle or heard of Craig Rochelle. I was talking to Craig Rochelle on the phone, and he told me something that was super powerful, something I'll never forget. And this was way back, years ago. I was getting ready. We had about two, three, four hundred people in that world because once again, let me just say this before I go on because I think this will, this will help some leaders. There were theories that said you had to be 2,000 in people in, in order at one location in order to go multi-site. Well, that depends on where you live. <laughs> if, you're right, contextualize, right. if you're contextualizing to New England, uh, that's not true because very few churches, if any, will ever reach 2,000 in one building. And so that's not necessarily true. So when we were two, three, four hundred people, we decided to go multi-site. And when I put uh, someone named Roman in charge of that location as a location pastor, people started getting upset. Like, why don't we have contact with 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 Josh and he should be meeting with us. And 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 I knew that that we had to figure out a way around that in order to scale the ministry. So I talked to Craig Rochelle and this is what he said. He said, Josh, you have to pastor people at the level they entered the ministry. And that changed my life. And what he meant was the people that you've buried and the people you've married and the people you've been shepherding up to now, you can't just back out of their life. You have to keep pastoring them. But everybody from this point forward mm. now is going to be pastored by somebody else. You can't back out of who it is you're shepherding. No good shepherd does that. Right. But but you can hand off everybody from this point forward to a new shepherd. And, um, and so that was uh, uh, one of the ways we transitioned it, just our lingo as well. Um, and then we started using video teaching. We had one location only, and we would use video teaching on the weekends. I'd teach at a separate day, and then we'd play the video on the weekend so that that location started to understand we're going to use video. Video is going to be a part of our DNA. So it's just it's, – it's, 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 culture is a hard thing to explain, but it's the scent in the room. It's the feel in the room. It's the understanding in the room. And, and we just changed all those things to kind of create a lingo, a language, and an attitude that would help us advance further. Oh, that's That's fascinating. Talk to us a little bit more about what it looks like whenever you you plant a new location in terms of facilities. One of the things you mentioned was that you learned that a facility was kind of an important piece uh, in, in your context, especially New England. So what does that look like exactly to have a permanent facility 
as you launch. Yeah, permanent facility where we launch is a little bit different than some of the churches listening. Like for us, a permanent facility can be 15,000 square feet. For many churches, they're looking for 60,000 square foot facilities. But where we live, we recognize that and churches of 400 to 1,000 are, are, are mega churches. I know it doesn't make it by definition, but where right. we live, that's the reality. And so we're looking for churches in buildings of 15,000 square feet, and we even have one of 10,000 square feet. And, and, this, and we do it, of course, with excellence. I, I think that, that, that the church is going to shift in the future, and the buildings of 100,000, 200,000 square feet, 60,000 square feet, I think that that's probably going to shift in the mm-hmm. years to come. As our country becomes more de-churched, I think the idea of the, the reality of spending that much money to for a building to sit empty all but one day a week potentially, I, I don't know if the church will be able to support that moving forward as we see the shift in the country just as far as church attendance and all. And so our model is how can we do more experiences, Spitfire, how can we do more experiences, services throughout the weekend and have smaller buildings how can we do that? Because if we can have 10, 15, 20,000 square foot facilities and do it well in a bunch of communities, well, we've leveraged ourselves a little bit more balanced where we don't have a 100,000 square foot facility costing us all sorts of money. Sure, you can't seat 2,000 people, but you do enough experiences in a 15,000 square foot facility, you sure can see quite a few people. And so uh, I would say for us right now, multi-site looks like finding We've done five acquisitions, churches that have come to us and said, could we be next level church? And and they, they give us the building or we buy the building very cheap and we get the building and then we outfit it and we start a location. And that's not saying we won't do portable. Um, that's just saying at this point in time when we can do permanent, we feel like it's a little bit safer. But remember, we're not buying $10 million buildings to go right. permanent. Our right. model is more $1.5 million. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. That's that's very helpful. And I think encouraging to a lot of pastors, no matter where they find themselves across the country. Uh, one of the nice things um, hearing from you, Josh, is, you know, the Northeast tends to be more post-Christian than much of the rest of the country. So yeah. So you you are kind of, you know, in a way, the uh, the lab that's happening that's going to help inform, I think, a lot of what happens across the country in the years to come. So I, I think your insights are incredibly helpful for, for that reason alone, uh, not to mention what God has been doing um, through your ministries there. So tell me about the your different locations. Like, what what do they, you know, as far as for a worship gathering— um, you know, how, how many can they typically hold for a worship gathering? And then uh, how many gatherings do you tend to do over a weekend in those? Yeah, we'll do, we, we always do at least two. Okay. Um, we've, we've done five at locations, um, five experiences. And uh, we do Thursday night experience at our broadcast location. That's where I teach in person uh, every single week. And that message will be played out on Sunday across all of our locations. And so I teach on Thursday nights, which Thursday nights has been an amazing experience. I would challenge all of our church leaders listening to just think on what are we going to do when Sundays become less and less and less of a popular time to to go to church? Um, I think thinking of Thursdays and Mondays and and off times for experiences is very wise in the culture. Like you said, living in a post-Christian area um, in in New England, there's no sporting team that doesn't do Sunday mornings. That's that's prime time. Like if a coach is thinking about when to have practice, it's a no-brainer to do it Sunday morning. And and I know that's spreading throughout the country. But as that starts happening, we have to ask ourselves, why are we so sold out to Sunday mornings? If Mondays are more effective, if Fridays are more effective, if Thursdays are more, if Sunday becomes the day that nobody wants to do church. 
as a as a church, we should say that's fine. We'll just pick another day. Um, and, and so um, they can. That's how we're moving as far as experience times mm-hmm. uh, and, and experiences. As far as our buildings, they'll seat anywhere from three to 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 six hundred in in that range. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and we'll do as many as experiences as it takes to get people in. And and some some of the areas we're going to, um, they have a population of forty to fifty thousand people in that town. And um, and, and that, that building works perfect. And, um, and we also know that financially, uh, we don't have to leverage the history, the, the, the future of Next Level Church on a, on a facility uh, because we, we leverage our assets. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit um, about staffing at, at your mm. different locations. What does that look like? I know you talked about your location, Pastor, but beyond that, how do you, how do you staff the ministries? Yeah, we've got a, we staff every single location. We start them with a location pastor, um, kids director, um, a creative worship pers- uh, director, and someone that oversees communications and, and assimilation. Um, those are what we staff them with. And then as they grow, then we'll, we'll, we'll add to that. We're really um, strong centrally at our broadcast location. And so that's where, of course, all videos are, are made. That's where all uh, communications goes out of. So, you know, we're very heavy on the on the central location, our broadcast location. That's where most of our staff works out of. And our locations are, are a lot thinner. Um, it's, it's, it's on purpose. We really would like to keep our locations thin as far as staffing goes. Um, we're not, sh- we're not sure the future of the church is going to be able to support someone who just uh, sings on the weekends full time. Um, we're not sure that that's our model that doesn't work for us, but the future of the church probably could, um, afford somebody who, who oversees an entire creative department at each location. And so that's just kind of our rhythm. It doesn't make it right or wrong. It's just kind of who we are is, is let's keep staffing thin. Let's, let's, let's do the best to, to support the people we have, but let's not, let's not create an atmosphere where the, the amount of staff we have creates the identity we hold. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's not a number we have to chase after. Yeah, that's super helpful. Josh, it seems that um, we often think of God-sized dreams. You write, you write a lot about you know, God-sized dreams in your book, It's Not Over. And oftentimes we think of God-sized dreams as something dramatic. And, and you've shared with us you know, how God has worked over the last you know, 10 plus years in, in the life of Next Level Church. And it's a dramatic story, uh, no doubt. And it's, it's exciting to hear um, how God has has been at work, and you've grown, you've multiplied campuses, locations, um, you reach so many people, um, but not every church sees that that type of growth. Obviously, right? And even even like you said earlier, which I think was incredibly wise, not you know the story for every church is not necessary to be a uh, multi site church. So I, I'm curious, Josh, when we think about some of the pastors who are listening in today, you know, but been faithfully serving for years. But they found themselves in a different, a different position, right? Uh, may, maybe they find themselves as a pastor who is oftentimes um, God leads them into churches that are broken, and, and their role has been the pastor of kind of healing in the midst of that brokenness. Or, or maybe they, they find themselves in a different type of context or a different type of setting, and they haven't seen um, you know, growth like Next Level Church has experienced. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about how God-sized dreams relate to um, all different uh, people, all different pastors, all different types of churches? Yeah, yeah. In the book, It's Not Over, which I'm super excited about, we talk a ton about the reality that 
that that we can still have hope in the future. You know, the book is about dreams, of course, but but more than that, I didn't want to write a book on dreams that, you know, have bigger dreams just to inspire people to dream. But the book really has a heartbeat on how do we overcome the past that has chipped away at our dreams. And, you know, everybody listening you know, has, has had a God-sized dream in their heart. And that pastor you're talking about, that leader you're talking about, how it usually arrives to us is it usually arrives to us like the outside of a Lego box appears. My kids love Legos. They love building things. And they they brought me into a store and they wanted a, a Lego set that was 4,124 pieces. And I was like, no way you're <laughs> going to build it. They convinced me to buy it. We bring it home. And, and I mean, on the outside of that box, Jason, I mean, we're talking, that thing looks sweet. And then they open the box and we all know what happens. 4,000 pieces fall out. And now we're looking at 4,000 pieces and we're thinking, what now? And I think a lot of the listeners right now, if you're in ministry, man, you can relate to this. God has given you a dream in your heart to restore that church, to start that church, to to to, to see that church reach your community. And, and that was a, a Lego box experience in your heart. You saw what it was going to look like for that city to be changed, for that church to be restored. God gave you a glimpse of what it was going to look like as a leader in his church to see that dream come to life. It's in your heart. You see it. But here's the truth. And you know this. I know this. You get home. You open up the box and all the pieces fall out. And now we ask, what now? And it's piece by piece, step by step, faithfulness, obedience, resilience, integrity. Piece by piece, we're putting together this puzzle. And for a lot of leaders, they're holding a piece right now and they feel discouraged. They feel like giving up. They don't know what to do. And in in my hope in this book is that church leaders wouldn't give up hoping that God and believing that God can do the impossible. Our our job is faithfulness. His job is fruitfulness. And so to that leader you're talking to, I would say, listen, I know you see a dream in your heart that's different than the pile of Legos on the table, Mm. but don't quit building. Don't quit being faithful and don't compare your Lego set to anybody else's and don't compare the pace of what you're building to anybody else's. Stay faithful to the picture that God planted in your heart. It feels like a bunch of pieces, but as you're faithfully putting them together, God will continue to give you the strength to stay faithful. And and I think that's something I'm, I'm passionate about inside of this book. And the other thing I would say, just as we're talking about, is just prayer. I think for a lot of leaders, I don't know about you, Jason, but for me, my prayer life has been chipped away in ministry. Mm. I used to pray bigger, bolder prayers. I used to believe God to do greater things. I can remember like the first Easter, we prayed and prayed and prayed that God was going to do the impossible. Second Easter, we prayed and prayed and prayed. And by Easter five or week five or you name it, all of a sudden we look at our prayers and what our prayers become, they become expressions of the damages we've experienced in the past. Mm. Right? So now our prayer life starts to shrink. And so I think a lot of our leaders, if I could just encourage them right now, I would just say, I would say, we need to pray big, bold prayers. I have a, uh, my first hire as we're talking about church leadership. Our first hire, uh, he raised his own support. Thank God for him. <laughs> and uh, he came on the team, Daniel, and him and his wife had a son named Josiah. And Josiah was born with, with many different complications physically. He had over 30 surgeries and his first year of life was in the hospital more than at home. And 10 years later, I was sitting at the table with Catherine just recently and I asked her, what's been the hardest part? And she said, praying. I said, what do you mean praying? She said, praying. I used to put hands on my belly and I would pray that God would heal my son. Mm. And then it didn't happen. 
And then for 10 years, Pastor, I've been praying and praying and praying and believing, and it hasn't happened. She said, the hardest part in my life right now is praying. And that's when it hit me. Mm. Our prayer life and our dream life, they aren't separate. They're together. And I just want to encourage all the church leaders listening. I get it. I know. I know you've prayed and you've believed, and here you show up weekend after weekend with that pit in your stomach, and you're thinking, what now? What now? I can't believe this. Now we used to pray for the impossible. Now we just pray for something small. In this book that I'm passionate about and believe is going to help so many church leaders, it talks about not allowing the wounds of our past to determine our dreams, which in reality produce our prayers, but to continue praying as if we've never been damaged in the past. Continue praying as a church leader as if our God can still do the impossible, like when he calls Lazarus out of the tomb. Mm. He says, Lazarus, get him out of the grave clothes. Get him out of the grave clothes. Why? It wasn't just enough for Lazarus to breathe, Jesus wanted him to shed the appearance of death. And I pray that all the church leaders listening understand it's not just enough to be in ministry. God wants us to shed the feelings and the past and the disappointments of death and begin praying once again that our God still grows his church, still builds his kingdom, and still has called us to do it. That's awesome, brother. I love that. Thank you so much um, for being with us. Thank you for sharing not only a bit of your story, but sharing your heart and uh, encouraging us uh, means so much uh, to our listeners, to me personally even. Josh, um, can you talk to us a little bit? How can people maybe connect with you online? How can they learn more about your new book, It's Not Over, and and your ministry? Yeah, well, nextlevel.church is the ministry. The book is It's Not Over. Uh, if they want to check out the book, I think it would be—I I do believe it would, it would be an encouragement to them, and you can get that at It's Not Over. Uh, book.com or just anywhere books are sold. And my publisher made me start up an Instagram account. (laughs) (laughs) So I have to say it's Pastor Josh Gagnon on Instagram and Twitter is Josh Gagnon and Pastor Josh Gagnon on Facebook. I've had to do some of the social media now. I I, I fought against it for a long time, but I'm I'm having to buckle in now. But I love love for the listeners to come hang out with me. And and honestly, this podcast is is a blessing. I listen to it all the time. So I just want to thank you for your faithfulness and everything you guys do to pour back into the kingdom of God. You may not see it all the time, but it's making a big difference. So thanks for having me, and thanks for what you do. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate it so much. And we'll have links to um, all of your social media, links to uh, so people can get the book as well in the show notes for this episode. So if you're listening, be sure to check that out. Um, but I do want to say I had the opportunity to get an advanced copy of your book. It's not over. And uh, I know I shared this with you personally, but powerful book and and literally one that I'm going to be buying multiple copies of for my own kids, honestly, for my kids who are in their teen years and early 20s, and then for other ministry leaders I know, and just, just anyone who's seeking after God. It's just powerful stuff. So thank you for all that you're doing, brother. Thank you for spending time with us here and, again, encouraging us um, through your words. We certainly appreciate you. God bless you, Josh. Awesome. Thanks, man. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us on this week's episode. Every week as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. So we hope you're finding value from the Church Leaders Podcast, and if so, we'd certainly appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcasts so they too can benefit from these interviews. Again, we thank you in advance, and if you have any comments, any questions, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email to podcast at churchleaders.com, or you can connect with me on Twitter. 
Finally, you can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the FaithPlay app. It's available for both Apple and Android. And so we encourage you to check that out as well. So until next time, this is Jason Day encouraging you to love well and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.